I think this is okay. I think it's okay. I think I'm set up well. I think we're ready to go. We're going to talk about some bears and some tales and some stories, and it's going to be fun, I tell you. Fun. Welcome back to Deep in Bear Country, a Berenstain Bear cast. I'm your host, Phil Gonzalez, and this week, we're going to start off by taking a look back, back in time, back... Who boy, back uh, 287 episodes, maybe, uh, to episode 11. That's right. It was July 25th of 2015, uh, the birthday of someone very special to me, and also the time when I was a young man, a very young man. I was, I was not even yet in my 40s, I don't believe, when I recorded this episode. It was episode 11, the Berenstain Bears Nursery Tales. Uh, the Berenstain Bears Nursery Tales. Tales is a bit of an anomaly uh, in the world of the Berenstain Bears because it sits in a period between when the Bears, the Berenstains were writing books solely for the beginner book series and when they were writing books and starting to write books in the 8x8 format and it wasn't a successful book. Uh, I didn't really cover this when I did the episode because I didn't know about it. I had no resources to go to. Uh, but uh, Random House was trying out a new format of, of picture books. And the Berenstains were right on board. And these picture books for the Berenstain Bears would become the first time books. But this, this one was not a first time book. Uh, and it was simply a series of fairy tales being read presumably by... Oh, and you only know this because of the cover. But being read by Papa Bear to Small Bear, who would become Brother Bear. Uh, the only evidence we have of this is the front page. The, the cover is a picture of Papa Bear reading a book to, to Small Bear. And the opening title page has a nice domestic scene of Papa lying in a bed with Small Bear, reading him a book, and Mama off to the side, sewing and listening, uh, while the home sweet home banner flies in the background. Uh, they also have no electric lights. There is a fireplace roaring. There is a candle glowing. Uh, this is still when we our bears were a fairly uh, rural existence, when they lived in the treehouse, but they did not rely on electricity. This is before Sister Bear came into the picture. Uh, this is when Small Bear was living large and living free, and the nursery rhymes, and the nursery tales, not rhymes, these are actually what we call fairy tales, I guess nursery tales, because they aren't fantastical, because we're dealing with a world of bears. In any case, what was in nursery tales? Uh, well, we had the story of the three bears, which was fairly straightforward, except we saw a mama bear, a papa bear, and a baby bear who are reminiscent of our bear family, but Papa, uh, but they're nude, more or less, and they wear different hats. Uh, Goldilocks, of course, does her thing. She breaks the small chair, and she runs off, uh, never again venturing into the deep, dark woods. Uh, the next story was the little red hen, who wanted the pig, the duck, and the cat to help her make some bread, and so she asked them to help them plant the seeds. She asked to help cut the wheat. She asked to help thresh the wheat. She asked to help take the wheat to the mill. She asks to help bake the bread, and each time the cat and the duck and the pig say not i i'm not going to help you finally she bakes the bread she asks who will help me eat it they say they will and she says nah nah you didn't help me at all i'm going to eat it myself that was the little red hen then was the gingerbread man and it is just the story of the gingerbread man and it's the one that i remember most from my childhood run run as fast as you can 
You Can't Catch Me on the Gingerbread Man, a uh, little old woman, little old man, uh, uh, a rabbit, a hungry little bear, a woodcutter. They all join in the chase after the gingerbread man. Finally, a fox is like, jump on my tail, says the sly fox. They start crossing the stream. As they get deeper and deeper in the water, the bear has to go along the fox's back, then onto the fox's head, then onto the fox's nose. And finally, the fox snip snap, eats him up. But after all, that's what a gingerbread man is and then the story just ends and it ends with a nice glowing fire uh papa and small bear asleep on the bed mama bear is walking out that is the original berenstain bears nursery tales just in case you needed a quick reminder i grew up with this book Uh, i loved this book it was basically my introduction to all of these stories i read it a million times read it to my own children uh i remember it well but why do i bring it up why am i bringing up this somewhat obscure Berenstain Bears book uh, from the somewhat obscure Please Read to Me series that would, uh, in the Berenstain Bears world, at least become the first-time readers, because this week's book is the Berenstain Bears Big Bedtime Book. It is an oversized hardback picture book from HarperCollins Children's, uh, much like the other large oversized picture books, the ones that Mike said didn't sell terribly well uh, when they first came out. But this book is fascinating in that not only is it kind of a do-over of the nursery tales, which remember was not a big seller, not only is it a bit of a do-over of that, it's a bit of a response to it. And what do you mean? What do you? Like, what do I mean by response? I mean the retellings of these stories comment in a way on the original Berenstain Bears nursery tales versions of the stories. So the the conceit is simple: the the cubs, uh, brother, sister, and Honey. Even though Honey's not really in this, she's not really a player in this story. She she tends to go to bed early. Uh, on a series of different nights. The cubs are left in the care of Mrs. Grizzle, who is the babysitter from the Berenstain Bears, uh, the babysitter book, uh, one of the first uh, first time books, very famous book. They meet Mrs. Grizzle. She ends up being cool. She can play tiddlywinks. Uh, she can do cat's cradle. She can play the piano. She can yodel. She's an awesome woman. Bit of a hippie. We like Miss Grizzle, Mrs. Grizzle. She's awesome. Uh, and what this book is, is this is a series of bedtime stories that Mrs. Grizzle tells the cubs as they are about to go to bed. Uh, it's There's more than three because it's a much longer storybook. The colorful pictures are large. They pop. It's a, it's a, it's a really pretty book. But So what happens in the story? Well, first we get the story of the three little cubs and the big bad pig. So this is not the story of the three little pigs. And they, they are consciously being rewritten because... Uh, Miss Grizzle will introduce the title of these stories. The kids will balk at the the, 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 the odd mix-up she's doing with the tales. And then she will clearly be sort of rewriting them on the fly. So this is the story. Basically, it's your three little pig story. Except it's three little cubs who move out of their mother's house and build their own houses. The first builds their house out of candy with a chocolate front piece. Uh, it's like we have some candy corn roof. We have some gumballs. We have some giant candy canes. We have uh, gel fruit candies as a walkway. Uh, the second cub builds their house out of breads, all different kinds of breads. They so have rolls or cakes, I guess I should say. Builds builds their house out of cake. Uh, some like sweet rolls, some birthday cakes, some death by chocolate cake, all kinds of cakes. And then the third cub builds their house out of uh, logs and wood. And the big bad pig is on the move. Now, this is interesting because in bear country, we have known uh, sentient pigs. This clearly takes place in a world in which pigs were never sentient and also were sort of an enemy of bears, I guess. The three little pigs 
are in danger of being eaten by the wolf in the original tale because wolves are a predatory animal and pigs, though they will eat meat, uh, are, are, tend to be portrayed, uh, at least in fiction, as uh, sort of uh, as prey, as, as animals to be eaten, although pigs can be vicious, as we all know. Uh, in this one, the pig is the, is, the, is the enemy. I hope none of their former pig neighbors hear about this because this clearly sets up that pigs are aggressive and, and ignorant and filthy and disgusting. Uh, so the pig shows up and demands to be let into each house. And of course, each bear, cub, won't let the pig in. Not by the fur of my chinny-chin-chin is what they say. Not hair, because bears don't have hair. So the pig eats each house. And the gag, of course, is that when the pig gets to the house made of wood, by the time it gets there, it has already eaten two houses and is so sick that it simply asks the third cub for medicine, which the cub hands over. The pig is grateful and promises to leave the cubs alone. Each each cub having run from their own house into the house of their next, uh, of their sibling. Now I know you're wondering, hey, Phil, why aren't you telling us about the history of the three little pigs? I could, I have a whole bunch of stories to get through though, and I don't want to like spend too much time on the histories of these things. I could spend an episode on each one, uh, but I believe that our earliest, the earliest version of the story we have written down of the three little pigs from 1853 and it's not pigs it's pixies so it's a it's arnie thompson uh, uh story uh, like story type 124 and uh if you don't know what the arnie thompson arnie thompson i think that's how you pronounce it is a way of classifying folk tales and fairy tales based on sort of this weird taxonomy where it's like the, the similarities between plots and characters so the Arnie Thompson grouping 124 is called uh, the Three Little Pigs. Uh, that's, the, that's your story tale type. And it includes three little pigs, uh, the fox and the pixies, which is the version we mentioned before, the fox and the geese, which presumably is similar, the awful fate of Mr. Wolf, uh, and the story of the pigs, both African-American folk tales, uh, How Come Pigs Can See the Wind, which is a North Carolina folk tale, uh, Little Pig and Wolf, Virginia folk tale, three, The Three Goslings, it's a story from Italy, but all roughly the same tale. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a very common. Uh, story story that kids know and uh, frequently the the wolf will go down the chimney and be either be cooked alive or the there's also a thing where like the the pig hides in a butter churn i remember that from when i was a kid i had a version of the story where that happened uh the wolf tries to trick his way into the third pig's house a lot like after the first two have been eaten a lot of different ways of telling the story but uh fascinating tales nonetheless uh this story of course makes the cubs hungry because of the description of the cake and candy houses by the time mrs grizzle comes back with a cookie for them they are fast asleep in bed now the next story is a tricky one and it's a trippy one and it's an amazing one and it's one that i remember i, I read this book years ago before i started doing this show and this one always stuck with me because this is a story of goldie bear and the three people and i don't know if this is canon or not but in this telling of the story mrs grizzle mentions the fact that in that goldie bear lives in the woods and her mother warns her not to wander beyond the woods in an inversion of most tropes. Uh, uh, you know, like usually the story in these tales is don't go into the woods. And this one is don't go out of the woods because that is where people live. Uh, now, the cubs, brother and sister, are aware of the term people, but they don't believe that people actually exist. So in this, in our world, we coexist with bears, bears being a non-sentient 
form of mammal, but we are, and we are the sentient, quote-unquote, dominant mammal on the planet. In the bear's universe, people are more of like ogres. They're mythical beings. They are something that cubs can choose not to believe exists. So I find that fascinating. Uh, the story pretty much follows the the same beats as Goldilocks and the Three Bears, except that Goldie Bear finds what looks sort of like a like a ramble, like a brick, a brick, like a rambler house or a split level house outside of the forest. It's a very modern looking home. She goes in, uh, she eats the cream of wheat. We do get, it's not porridge, it's cream of wheat. Brother mentions the fact that the smallest bowl should be the coldest, uh, just based on like the laws of thermodynamics, but they shush him up and roll their eyes at him. And Mrs. Grizzle accuses him, him of being a nerd, which is like the worst insult. Uh, uh, Goldie Bear goes through the house. She ends up breaking the chair. The three people come home. Uh, they're na- they're a nasty crew. The father has giant uh, Popeye arms with uh, anchor tattoos and a mullet and sideburns. The mom is blonde and they have a little boy. Uh, they find Goldie Bear in l- the, the little boy's bed, though. And they freak out because it's a bear and they run out of their own home to the police station where they report a bear invasion, which to me has all kinds of like implications. Like the notion that unlike troll, human beings are are still capable of human beings in bear mythology are capable of calling the police on bear. Like in this world, the police are still under the control of white humans. Like that is a weird feeling. Like Goldie Bear knows that she's in trouble if the police come. Because even though this is clearly a bear's world, the police are still at the beck and call of the humans. In any case, uh, she makes it back into the forest. It says where she belonged, which is an ominous ending. Uh, Sister says people are scary. Brother says they're weird. Mrs. Grizzle says none of them live around here. And she turns out the light. Uh, Now, Goldilocks and the Three Bears, or the story of the Three Bears, is a 19th century uh, British fairy tale that... uh, it looks like our earliest recorded version of it, the story of the three bears, uh, appears in, in 1837 in a volume of writings called The Doctor. Uh, it's attributed to English writer and poet Robert Southey. Uh, and then it, and, and, but in uh, according to the story, and uh, Southey had been telling the story before then, like 1813, people remember him having uh, told the story. So. Uh, 1831, there was a published version of this by Eleanor Muir, but it was attributed to South. Like it's it's unclear where all these stories clearly come from. Um, but uh, Iona and Peter Opie, who are folklorists and have their own like way of keeping track of, of of stories, their own taxonomy for stories, say that the tale has a partial analog in Snow White, uh, the story of a young girl finding a cabin of, of seemingly uh, uh, harmful uh, creatures and falling asleep in one of their beds. And she and and and, and Iona and Peter Opie uh, say that there is there is a similar DNA, like they share DNA. In any case, uh, I just find that fascinating. I, I find fairy tales fascinating. So then we have this nice little thing, a uh, little interlude with more gingerbread bears. Uh, do you remember when I made I made gingerbread bears because of the large format storybook Christmas book where they made gingerbread bears? This one has a gingerbread bear of Mrs. Grizzle, which maybe next year I'll try making a gingerbread bear of Mrs. Grizzle. It's pretty cool. But this inspires her to 
tell them the story of the gingerbread bear. And the gingerbread bear was, of course, present in the Berenstain Bears nursery tales. It was not called the gingerbread bear then. It was called the gingerbread man because they were still dealing with people in these books. Little old lady, little old man. Uh, and this one, uh, the little old lady and man are are recast with Grizzly Gramps and Gran, although they're just they're still referred to as Grandma and Grandpa bears. Uh, and what's interesting is that the new illustrations for this book, uh, in part, are clearly inspired by the original layouts from the original book, although the characters look totally different. Uh, if you look at the two, the new version is clearly an homage to the original. Um, like the woodsman, the woodcutter is now Papa Bear. Uh, uh, but it's still, the, the layout is still similar, especially the stuff with the fox. And it ends the same way. The, the gingerbread bear climbs on the fox's tail, then onto the fox's back, uh, onto the fox's snout, and snip snap, the fox ate him up, which is exactly what it says in the original. Um, now, what's interesting, and I haven't mentioned this yet, is the fact that the cubs throughout this book have been commenting on the stories. They're po sort of pointing out, I mentioned like brother's comment about the, uh, about the porridge, uh, they all know what's happening. They know these stories, and that's what I find fascinating, which is why Mrs. Grizzle is sort of mixing them up a little bit. But this one's pretty straightforward. Still the gingerbread bear, uh, which is based, of course, on the gingerbread man or the gingerbread boy. Uh, it is what is known as a cumulative tale, where things sort of add up. You keep adding on an element in each little part, like the little red hen. Um, and I'm trying to see, where did it first appear? Uh, first appeared in print in the May 1875 issue of St. Nicholas Magazine. St. Nicholas Magazine, in case you're curious, as I know I am, was an American's children's magazine from 1873. Founded in 1873, ran for, let's see how long did it run? Uh, lo long time. 19, 19, it looks like it ran through the 1930s, uh, then came back uh, in 1940s, but it only lasted four issues. Um, so yeah, Gingerbread Man uh, pretty much ends the same. Like that's that's how it ends. He he gets eaten by a fox. I know that there are some children's versions that uh, where the fox you know doesn't eat him or they make friends or whatever. But that's the original the original uh, version. Now ver variations on this story exist uh, through all you know all over the world. There's a Russian version where it's a ball of dough that avoids getting eaten by animals. There's a there's a there's several different versions. And I remember this from when I was uh, working in a bookstore. There's a version that's called the pancake. And it's a Norse version, the uh, the the Panikaken. Uh, or there's also a uh, wow, looks like there there is there is another version called the the runaway pancake. So there's several different versions where it's a pancake. There's one called the big fat pancake from the German. So it's like pancakes are very popular. Uh, the dumpling is also a variation. A uh, a uh, 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 oh wow. So there's a Hungarian tale called the little dumpling, but it's actually a lump of head cheese, which is pretty gross. Uh, and in that version, the head cheese eats the other animals, not the other way around. There's a Russian tale called the clay guy uh, about a little clay child that kind of does the same thing uh, and gets eaten by a goat. Uh, there's a lot of different versions of the because it's a very simple accumulative story. It's fun to tell. You keep adding on characters who are changing after the gingerbread man. In any case, that is that. Our next story is Three Billy Goats Gruff, but the cubs don't want to hear it. Instead, Mrs. Grizzle tells them the Three Billy Goats Gruff meet the Bog Brothers. The Bog Brothers. Now, of course, we all know who the Bog Brothers are. The Bog Brothers live in uh, in the bog down outside of uh, Beartown. They are forbidden bog. They are the local uh, drug runners, moonshiners, and murderers. They are terribly violent felons who live out in the in the bog uh, with their mother. And there are a countless number of sons. They are kind of basically the Beagle Boys of Bear World. Now. 
in this version, the Cubs never heard of the Bog Brothers, and they seem to be something that Mrs. Grizzle is making up, which, of course, that, in addition to the fact that uh, the, the human beings are mentioned, where they've never been mentioned before, further supports my theory that this book exists outside of regular continuity. It cannot exist within regular continuity, because we know the Cubs have fought the Bog Brothers on many occasions. Now, presuming you know the story of the three billy goats gruff it is just the story of the three billy goats gruff but uh instead of a troll it is it's it's the bog brothers who want to cook a goat for their dinner and they keep getting tricked into waiting for the next goat to come through until uh finally the the largest one comes and knocks the bog brothers into the swamp like that's it that's really it it's just the troll is replaced by uh, the bog brothers now the three billy goats gruff uh was first published uh, between 1841 and 1844 uh, by Peter Christian Asbjornsson and Jorgen Moe in their Norsk Folkinventyr, which I assume means your, your folk like folktale inventory. Uh, it is Arnie Thompson type 122E, which is the eat me when I'm fatter plot, which, you know, same, honestly, same, uh, which as, as you can probably guess means... Uh, Eat Me When I'm Fatter Tales. The Sheep, the Lamb, the Wolf, and the Hare is a version of that. Uh, the Lamekin from India. Uh, the Fisher and the Little Fish is an Aesop tale. There's a Bohemian tale called The Dog and the Wolf. They're all variations on the idea that, like, I'm not big enough. Come back when I'm larger or come back when my larger brother is around and you'll get a better meal. And then the, you know, like, whoever is trying to eat them gets tricked in some way. It's a, it's a little bit of a, a trickster tale, but more more like I'm not tricking you because that's my nature. I'm tricking you in order to survive. Uh, so the Arnie Thompson type, uh, well, this says 124, 122E. This says 122F, so I'm a little bit uh, confused. It looks like someone just got their wires crossed. No, 122E. Oh, I see. So there are two... Never mind, I just got confused. No, wait, was I confused? So there are two different Audie Thompson types. There's 122E and 122F. 122E is actually the Three Billy Goats Gruff type, which is simply variations on that specific story. Three Billy Goats Gruff from Norway, from Poland, Germany, and from Germany. Uh, then there's 122F, which is the, the one I was talking about before, which is simply wait until I'm fatter, uh, that variation. So as you can see, the taxonomy of the Arnie Thompson types, it's very specific. Uh, I love it though. I love it. I love it so much. If you're, if you're looking for more information, by the way, on Arnie Thompson types, uh, pit, P-I-T-T dot E-D-U has all the Arnie Thompson types, uh, like a whole database with the stories. So you can just find tons of, of variations in the same stories. Mitzi and I used to love to just read umpteen different versions of Cinderella and seeing how like different cultures took bits of different Arnie Thompson types and rearranged them to make different stories. So you get like Baba Yaga tales mixed with other, like with like uh, Hansel and Gretel tales mixed with stuff from Cinderella stories like that just that's because that's they were transmitted orally. And so these stories would evolve over time. So uh, so our final tale in the books is uh nope it's not the final tale it's the final tale from the original book that is that is translated into this book is the story of the little red hen and the cubs are tired no mrs grizzle is tired on this time she doesn't want to read a long story tell a long story to the cubs so she retells the little red hen but she totally inverts it and that's what i love she tells the exact same story from the berenstein bears nursery tales only she throws a, a, a curve into it every time the little red hen asks for help the pig the cat and the duck are like yeah all right i'll help so she's like, who will help me plant this wheat? And they're like, I will, I will, I will. So the hen just relaxes while they plant the wheat. And then she's like, oh, who will help me uh, cut the wheat? And they're like, I will, 
So she's like, great. So she watches television. She watches American Turkey Idol uh, while they cut the wheat. She's like, who will help me uh, thrash the wheat? And they're like, I will. So she goes and takes a nap. And the cops are getting more and more incredulous as she goes along. They're like, and I thought we thought you, we thought you were going to tell us a short story. She's like, ah, it's shorter. It's quicker. Who will help me take the wheat to the meal? And they're like, I will. So she goes to the mall, the poultry mall, uh, while they take the wheat to the meal. She's like, who will help me bake the bread? And they're like, I'll do it. She's like, great. She goes to avian aerobics class while they do it. Uh, and then they, so they bake this loaf of bread and she's like, who will help me eat this bread? And they're like, not I, not I, not I. And she's like, wait, what? Why not? Because we're all allergic to wheat. That's why not. And uh, the Cubs hate it. They absolutely hate it. They say that's the dumbest story they've ever heard. They give it a big thumbs down and they go to bed, which is great. In fact, they're so put off by Mrs. Grizzle's retelling of the story that they are muttering about it, how much they hate it, in their sleep. I love it so much. Uh, so their final story, Mrs. Grizzle is going to tell them her favorite story from childhood. And it is Little Red Grizzlyhood, uh, which is uh, Little Red Riding Hood, as we all know. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you want to know... Did you want to know what Arnie Thompson type the Little Red Hen was? I bet you I bet you were like, oh, no, forgot to get really pedantic and tell us about where the story comes from. Well, don't you worry. This story also first appeared in St. Nicholas Magazine, 1874, collected by Mary Mapes Dodge, who said that she learned it from her mother, uh, that it involved a rat, a cat, a dog, a duck, and a pig. Uh, but that was later reduced to a cat, a duck, and a pig. Uh, and that's it. Like it, uh, she claims that she learned it from her mom. Uh, it was a really popular book for you know a story that was been adapted into golden books and into 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 like Disney. Uh, did the Wise Little Hen based on it in 1934? The first appearance of Donald Duck is from that cartoon. Uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's a it's a not a cumul. It, I guess it is a cumulative tale, but not not really. I can't. I don't even know what you call it. It doesn't even list an Arnie Thompson type for it. It's just a story. It's just a cute it's a little moralistic story, I guess, uh, about like you know help out or you're not going to get what you want. Um, and now the final story that Mrs. Grizzle tells is Little Red Grizzlyhood, which is just Little Red Riding Hood. Uh, you all know the story of Little Red Riding Hood, but this version, uh, whenever she does the what big eyes you have. Uh, uh, what big teeth you have that the cubs join in and they yell out the, the, the wolf's response. And this one, the wood bear is again, Papa bear who comes and he chases the wolf off. Uh, the granny was of course not eaten. She was hiding in a cupboard and she comes out and they all enjoy the goodies. Uh, I do love this though. Um, the girls, little red grizzly hoods mother, which is just mama bear is like, your granny is sick. Um, I need you to take a basket of goodies to her. So, the cubs are like, oh, what kind of goodies? She's like, oh, chicken salad, cheese, crackers, sliced up pineapple, thermos of tea, a couple of cookies. And brother's like, no cake? And Mrs. Grizzle's like, well, the old lady was sick. And I do enjoy that because every every version of this story is, take this cake and wine to your grandmother. She's sick. And every time I'd read the tell the story or read it to to, to my kids, they'd be like, wait, why wine? Why cake? This is a sick old one. What, what are you talking about? So I do like that they addressed that. Uh, now, Little Red Riding Hood is, of course, a very famous tale that everyone thinks they know the origins of because they read an issue of Sandman once where we learned, quote unquote, the origins of uh, of Little Red Riding Hood, which, of course, is not really the the origins of Little Red Riding Hood. It's a version, a variation of the origins of Little Red Riding Hood. But... Uh, Little Red Riding Hood is is Arnie Thompson type or Arnie Thompson, I guess, Uther type, as they call it. Uh, 333. Um, let me see. I'm having trouble. Arnie Thompson, Uther type. 333. I had the page pulled up and now it's not pulled up. Here we go. Uh, Arnie Thompson, Uther type. Uh, 333. In uh, the original appearance of Little Red Riding Hood uh, is, you know, it's based on shape-shifting stories. It's based on... Uh, 
I mean, much more graphic tales. They say that the origins go back to Greece and Rome. Uh, there's just stories of monsters in the woods, uh, spirits or shapeshifters who accost uh, young girls and in however you want to interpret me saying accost and have to be... Uh, and have to be either married off or the beast has to be slain. As you can imagine, it, it goes into stories of any story of, uh, of a god or a goddess or a demigod being pulled from the belly of a, of a creature uh, is, is part of the origins. Um, the dialogue between the Big Bad Wolf and Little Red Riding Hood uh, uh, comes from the Elder Edda. Uh, Thor has his hammer stolen um, by the, a giant and... Uh, God. And so so a giant steals Thor's hammer, and in order to give it back, the giant demands Freya as his wife. So the gods dress Thor as the wife, and they send it to him. And and uh, they, you have this kind of like back and forth, like, you don't look like her. You don't look like her. It's kind of like a build up to that. Uh, there's also the story of Peter and the wolf, where the duck gets eaten by the wolf is in the belly. There's a story of the wolf and the goat little kids, where the, they, which has like the goat kids filling the wolf's belly with stones. There's all variations on this thing. But uh, the earliest version, the origins of the story we know is Little Red Riding Hood, um, come from pre-17th century Europe. Uh, there's all different kinds of versions of it that we know were told by pe in the peasantry. Um, there's the version that everyone kind of knows from uh, from the Sandman version, but that's not the main version. Like people claim that's like the original version, but that's not the original version. Uh, uh, there's versions of it from Italy. There's versions of it from France. There's versions of it from uh, there's East Asian versions about where it's a tiger instead of a wolf. Uh, sometimes it's a werewolf. Uh, uh, just depending on when and where the story comes from. Remember that there were that there were um, werewolf trials at the time uh, back in the back in the day. Uh, what was it like the uh, was it the 1600s, the 1700s? Uh, they're similar to the wolf trials or the, the late 1500s. Right, right. The late 16th century. Uh, there were werewolf trials. So what people considered terrifying in the woods changed over time, but it's always essentially the same thing. Little girl encounters a monster in the woods uh, and uses tries in the wolf and the creature uses trickery in order to either like eat her or kill her or whatever you want to call it. Uh, the the earliest known printed version that we know was uh, French, uh, and it came out in the 17th century, and uh, it was by Charles Perrault, who we know um, as the guy who originally rewrote all the fairy tales to make them sickeningly moral. And this one apparently ends up with Little Red Riding Hood dying, because the lesson is, don't disobey your parents. Uh, the Brothers Grimm told a very famous version in the... Uh, in the 19th century, uh, where they modified the ending to have the little girl and her grandmother saved by the huntsman, who was after the wolf's skin, and they—that's where they filled it with the fill the belly with stones, just like in the wolf and the seven young kids, uh, and, and it just kept evolving over time. Uh, and of course, you know, it's the story you know today. However you however you want to uh, however you want to tell it. There's so many different variations on Little Red Riding Hood at this point that we could do an entire podcast just about variations on Little Red Riding Hood. And the reason that it was uh, Mrs. Grizzle's favorite story was because it was the story her babysitter used to tell her when she was a little girl. She tucks the cubs in and they say good night. Now, the Berenstain Bears Big Bedtime Book 2008 HarperCollins. Large format storybook. Is it worth picking up a copy is it worth even trying to uh trying to find a copy of this book because i am not sure the berenstain bears big story book if you hop online nope not okay and it's not no wonder i can't find it it's the big bedtime book i'm looking for the wrong book the big bedtime book berenstain bears big bedtime book if you're looking for a copy of it you can find it new 
Uh, it's also available on Kindle. It's available in hardback and paperback. Do I recommend this book? Is this a book that I'm like, yeah, add it to your library? I do indeed. Uh, this is a good, fun book of bedtime stories. Uh, not only is it fun because of the variations that Mrs. Grizzle puts on the stories, but it's fun because of the interactions the cubs have. Also, these illustrations are some of the best Berenstain Bears illustrations, I think, out there. Uh, they're not as weird as the chapter books ones, but just the picture of the pig alone e devouring the houses of the three cubs is worth the price of admission. And you can get this book for, you know, it's it's, it's going to be like uh, between eight and $14, depending on if you get the paperback or the hardcover. Uh, but it's it's totally worth it. Add it to your add it to your bedtime like cycle. I think your kids will like it. I like it. I think it's a great book. I think it's probably one of my favorite of this of the large format Berenstain Bears books. Uh, and it takes place in an alternate universe. So it's a little uh, it's a little trippy. It's a little it's a little tricky. Your kids will love the fact that it mentions uh, people in it. Now, some people criticize the book online for, for the whole scene where uh, Mrs. Mrs. Grizzle calls brother a nerd for pointing out a scientific fact. Uh, I mean, yeah, I guess that could have been handled better. But you know what? It's one line in the whole thing. And uh, I'm not going to worry too much about it. If you don't like a book where someone gets called a nerd, uh, I guess you're not reading the chapter books because that happens a whole lot. And she's a baby. She's a crusty babysitter. Uh, she's rude. And I like that. I like Mrs. Grizzle. She's cool. Uh, but that's it. That is the Berenstain Bears Big Bedtime Book. This was my 299th episode. I have episode 300 coming up uh, next week. And if all goes as planned, it's going to be a really special episode. I've got a special guest on for the episode. Uh, someone uh, you may not know, but who has, we're going to be covering a book that almost seems like it was written specifically for me. So tune in next week for that 300 episodes. Uh, as Alana pointed out to me just last night, I actually have more than 300 episodes because I did so many special one-offs. Uh, so if you're like, wait a minute, there's more than 300 episodes of this show. Yes, but these are my official Berenstain Bear single book episodes. And then you're like, wait a minute, Phil, sometimes one of your episodes is like a collector's corner. Hey, get off my back. I don't have a producer. It's just me. I can't keep track of everything. As far as the numbering system goes, it is episode 300. Now I'm going to end this episode. Why? Because it is in the 90s in Minneapolis right now. And in order to record this episode, I had to shut the window, turn off the fan and shut the door. I'm literally in a sweat box, sweating in my clothes. So I'm going to end this episode by saying goodbye <laughs> and saying thank you so much for supporting me. Go to Beastain Bearcast on Twitter. Leave me a review on Audible or on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whatever it's called. Wherever you can find a review place, leave a review. Find us on Facebook at Deep in Bear Country, Berenstain Bearcast. Uh, you can write to me or you can find me at uh, P. Corey Gonzalez on Twitter. You can listen to my other podcasts. I have a podcast called It's Del Toro Time that I do with my uh, my older child, Willow. Uh, we talk about uh, horror movies and other things. And I have a podcast called Pizza Toast that I do with my friend Christy Admiral where we talk about the ephemera of the ba uh, Babysitter's Club universe. And we've been on a bit of a hiatus, but we're coming back with some special episodes. So check out Pizza Toast. Uh, so thank you all for listening. Thank you all for being part of my big bear country. And I will see you all next time. Wait, if I say the title now, I will have already said bear country. Thank you all for being a big part of my bear life. My bear, barely there, my barely there life. And I will see you all next time deep in bear country.